Viewer discretion is advised. Hi everyone, welcome to You, Me, and the Killer, hosted by Renaud and Eileen. This is our third, 14th episode. Okay, so in this episode we are talking about Ed Jean. Um, he is a necrophilic serial killer who committed um, quite the crimes actually. Uh, when the authorities were searching his house, they were able to find around four noses, whole human bones and fragments, nine masks of human skin, bowls made from human skulls, ten female heads, human skin covering several chairs, organs in the refrigerator, a belt made from human female nipples, as well as a lampshade made from the skin from a human face. Um, this is all according to murderpedia.com. And then can you tell us more about his background? Yes. So, Ed King was born on August 27th, 1906 in Wisconsin, which makes him a Virgo. According to astrologyzodiacscience.com, Virgos are known to be very caring, very virtuous, shy kind of people. So I think Ed would embody maybe the shy part because he was a pretty shy kid overall. <laughs> but I don't know about being too kind of nurturing after what the crimes he committed. Um, later we'll find out more about his connection with his family. What do you mean his connection with his family? Well, I was going to go on later. Um, so, Ed Gein had a very strong relationship with his mother, mm -hmm. Augusta. Um, he, she was very controlling, very dominant. She ran the household, and Ed really looked up to her. Um, she was very religious, so she would dictate that sex and any form of drugs was really bad. So, she would always talk bad about all the people in the neighborhood, uh, depending on the gossip that she heard of. But um, Ed grew up really loving his mom, and in her later years, um, he took care of her until her death, which we find out. He also had a dad, and he played a very interesting role too because he was a very heavy alcoholic, which ended up leading to his death in um, Ed's early adulthood, which didn't really impact him because he really wasn't close to his dad because he was pretty abusive when he was drinking. And then another interesting story is that Ed also has a brother. And his brother was the complete opposite of Ed because his brother, on the other hand, would cause a lot of problems for his mom. He would go against all her rules, which really upset his mother. And Ed saw this and he was really upset by it. What was he upset about? Because he, I call, his brother would go out drinking and do everything against his like mother's rules. So one day we find out that Ed and his brother would work on the fields because um, that's what they grew up doing since they lived on a farm. Mm -hmm. And after you're done with the seasoned crops, um, you have to burn it mm -hmm. so that you know, the new one can start getting ready. And while they were doing this um, fire, it went it went a little bit overboard, and the fire department came, and they found his brother dead. However, later they found out that his that he was killed because of asphyxiation. However, it was not caused by the fire; it was caused by a person because they also found bruises on him, and 
a lot of evidence, according to FamousPeople.com, said that it was Ed. Who murdered his brother? Yes. That would be interesting. He, he never got convicted for that, though. No, he never did. Mm-hmm. And growing up in, as a kid, um, he had a really hard time because he was super isolated. His mom would not let him hang out with kids, and every time he came home saying, oh, I made a friend, she would shut it down really fast. So he lived in large isolation with his brother, and when they were at school, they were working on the field. And there are reports of the other kids that were with him in school, and they would say that he was very strange, or he kept to himself. He would do weird, he didn't have any social skills, basically. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really know how to function in any setting other than at home. I think that would go under the antisocial um, traits that he has. And then later we find out that you know his, he's still super attached to his mom, and when she ends up passing away, is a big shock to him you know, because he doesn't know what to do now. And this is when we see that he starts having interesting activities that are not normal. Usually when we talk about things, in our old ordering of things, we would talk about the relationship that caused everything. And to me, when I was reading about Ed, this was definitely the relationship that kind of was causing the beginning of the dismay of his whole mental health issues, as well as his killing. The death of her. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that because he relied on her for everything. And also, she basically shut down every woman other than her, I mean, she would tell him that women were prostitutes, which I'm confused, like, because, well, she's a woman, so I don't know why she, she's different than every other woman, and what impacted her in her life that caused her to make these assumptions and dictate it. I think most people in life tend to think they are different than most people, so I think that's where that would be coming from, like. Yeah, while I was reading, um, I find out, I found out that I call it, they kind of described her as very dominant, very, you know, sh she thought she knew everything like a know-it-all. Did you start talking to us about what happened with this killing? So you mentioned after his mother passed away, um, and as you, as you mentioned, when she was alive, he never, he never dated. Another thing that he never moved out, he was, he very, was very, very dependent on her. In 1957, after Warden, his second victim, went missing, a deputy sheriff who was named Frank, um, who was also her son, he became suspicious of Ed, and then he got a warrant for the authorities to go and search out Ed's place, and that's when they found the headless bodies hanging from the ceiling, skulls, juices, bowls, organs, in jars. It was definitely a very... Um, was a very shocking discovery. Yeah, because I remember reading about it on all that's interesting.com and they were saying that when you went to that story, the thing that he purchased was um, antifreeze. So I don't know, maybe that was part of his killing method or I don't know, maybe for a car, but I've heard of people using that as a killing weapon. And then according to biography.com, after they took him in for questioning, he did easily confess to two murders. That being said, uh, a lot of his testimonies were not, were kind of unusable due to the fact that the police were very aggressive towards him. At one point, when he was um, 
giving confession, the the investigator kind of just like banged his head against the table and caused for him to get bruises, which then made the whole confession not usable. That's pretty interesting. I, I also remember reading that. So once his mom died, he boarded up all the all the house that she went into so like she was walked around in so basically all he had was the kitchen and one room next to the kitchen and then and he would keep it super dirty but everything else he boarded up so it would stay pristine exactly like before his mother died mm-hmm. so i'm sure they were shocked to find find everything in that house yes and when I was thinking about about that, like why he necess- why he chose to keep parts of the house to be kind of the way his mom left it was like it's, to me it was very symbolic of his state of being that the like that house was a metaphor to Ed. Ed was this, you know, according to his mom, he was this clean put together man. He never killed anybody. He never harmed anybody. And then after his mom died, now there's all this dirt on him, very similar to the house. Which is something to think about. Um, according to biography.com, while Ed only killed two people, he did admit to be digging up a lot of corpses, which is where the list that I gave earlier, you know, comes into into play because a lot of people do believe that he only killed two people. But then he would dig up corpses and he practiced necrophilia and created masks to wear and walk around in. And then according to history.com, the women that he would dig up were ones that reminded him of his mother. And then, you know, thinking of necrophilia and then thinking of that, it really, it's it's thought-provoking. Yeah, that's really strange. I don't understand. So, would you consider this, like, a sexual crime, in a sense? Do you think that's what represented in his crimes, or it was not sexual at all? He I just didn't have a sexuality. You know, all the women kind of were in a way, in a sense, his mom, or similar to his mom. Yes. I, I personally do think that the crimes were sexual for a lot of reasons, starting with the fact that he would um, cut out, according to murderpedia.com, he had nine vulvas in a shoebox and he did practice necrophilia which is pretty much sleeping with a corpse and i can't see a case where somebody can sleep with something or someone's corpse and not be sexually looking for sexual gratification or for it to be sexually driven do you think that would be his first time being with a woman yes i think his mom kept really tight covers on him yeah that's really strange you know, he went on to do do that with a corpse. But. Especially ones that he admitted that reminded him of his mother. Yeah. Like, nobody drew the link before he pointed the link out. We don't know this, but maybe he hit on his mom a couple times. Or maybe, I don't, you know, maybe he pulled something on his mom and, you know, we just don't know about it. Do you think that might have happened? No, I think it's very similar to, like, daddy issues. I think it's just because somebody, like, has issues to where their relationship with their mother, like usually something that we do see and it's very like for like a Freud way to think of those relationships a lot of a lot of like people's first relationships with the opposite sex tend to be with their opposite sex parents so in that case him and his mother and him and her being so controlling would in a way infuriate him 
whether it was conscious or subconscious and also that goes into the house being so dirty I think it was like in a way like him rebelling while still loving her because he is keeping the parts that she was in very clean and he's keeping his part his parts dirty and I don't think that's something he did when she was alive and in a way he's kind of like marking it up just like he was marking up all of those women because he was seeking control the same control that he didn't have because his mother was alive so you think he was looking for the control I I think kind of like the opposite because he didn't know what to do with control. Because now he isn't, he's, you know, driving the wheel and he doesn't know what to do because he was always, you know, told what to do. So I, I feel like he just went off after that and was trying to figure stuff out and basically, you know, because he was, he was described as being really weird. So he's probably playing to his weird fantasies. What do you mean? Like you mentioned how you think it's like an order thing? Uh, yeah, like his mom was the one that, you know, established the rules and he would follow them, but now that there's no one to maintain that, he kind of like lost control, you know, lost control. Yeah. He didn't know what to do with that. While I think he is incompetent of surviving on his own, as proven by this whole podcast, like he wouldn't be on here if he's a competent person at existing his incompetency and shortcoming in being like an adult that fits our standards i don't think that has anything to do with i think killing as many people as he killed and digging up as many graves as he did that's a little bit more than trying to figure it out according to biography.com in 1958 he was found unfit to stand trial and was committed to a mental hospital 10 years later in 1968 jean is now found fit for to stand trial and was found guilty of one of the murders but again he was resubmitted to the hospital and then he was ultimately found guilty by a reason of insanity yeah he spent his the rest of his life in a state facility correct also he was the inspiration for so many films like Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Silence of the Lambs, which you know, he didn't know he was going to become such a big influence for the movies. Yeah, and I think the reason that he did is not because I think he is um, serial killers having societal influence is due to the fact of the shock value that they provide as well as when something is like real rather than like artificial, it resonates with people a little bit more. So like if I, so if I were to right now create somebody who killed people and ate out of human skull bowls, it would be, wow, like that's crazy, how do you think of that? But if I base something off of, off of Edge who did the exact same things that I just talked about, it would, it has more weight to it because it was real. You can't dismiss it as something that never happened. Yeah. Yeah, and he was also found fairly soon. I mean, in 1957 was the when when the whole warden thing happened, and we see that in 1958 he's already he was found unfit to stand trial. So I think that he wasn't able to get away with it for as long. I think his victim count would be much higher if he had been allowed the opportunity to kill more. Yeah. Also, if he had a better hiding spot. Than what? Than his house? Yes. Why do you think his house is a bad, his house is a bad hiding spot? 
Because, um, well, he kept all the body parts as furniture, and that's how the cops found all about it. The reason why I don't think that his house being a bad place for all of these things to be is because people need a warrant to search your house, and you can't get a warrant. It's hard to get a warrant on somebody to search their house. We're talking about a different time, but if you if you were to do it today, quite frankly, he doesn't have to let anybody in unless they have a warrant on him. Do you know what the things were back then? No. Well, I think the fact that Frank was a deputy sheriff, the victim's uh, son, probably if somebody influential's daughter or mother went missing, more is going to be done than when it's somebody that's under the radar or just a normal person. So maybe they did get a warrant. I'm, I'm unaware of whether they did or not. But even if they got a warrant, I can't help but think that Frank being a deputy sheriff has something to do with it. I do see how the deputy definitely took initiative and probably went into the house. Maybe he didn't even have to you know, do the warrant thing and just went in there to find out what was going on because they kind of already knew that he was the perpetrator. So mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. It took it to their own hands to beverage him. What was happening, yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. It's definitely much shorter than we have done before so maybe you guys will like that keep in store guys stay safe